We're now in our second week in our Advent series, Advent with Isaiah. Prophetic preparation for a season of hope, peace, joy, and love. This week is Peace Sunday, and I'm not sure there's a better Peace Sunday sermon text than Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. You can find Isaiah 11, 1 through 10 on page 640 and 641 in the Old Testament in your pew Bibles. This, this passage so perfectly depicts the kind of Messiah Jesus is and precisely illustrates the kind of reign, the kind of kingdom that he ushers in. So listen. Listen for the perfect messianic depiction of Jesus in the first half of the reading. And then listen for the precise illustration of his reign that he brings about in the second half of the reading. Friends, hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, nor decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his hips. And faithfulness, the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The bear and the cow shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the knowledge of the Lord shall Fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to all peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's such a beautiful picture. No better text to turn to on Peace Sunday. So, so what kind of Messiah is the coming Christ child? And what kind of reign does, does the coming Christ child bring about? My plan this morning is to walk right through this text. And as we walk, it's my hope that we can answer both of these questions fully and completely. Let's start with the first question. What kind of Messiah is the coming Christ child? What kind of Messiah is the coming Christ child? 
Our text begins, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. A shoot shall come out of Jesse's stump, a branch shall grow out of his roots. A seedling shall sprout from a hopeless stump. A sapling will burgeon from the soil of despair into an enormous redemptive tree of life. The nation of Israel, the nation that had been freed from slavery in Egypt, the nation that had completed the 40-year pilgrimage through the desert, the nation that had successfully entered into the promised land, the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites, and Perizzites, the nation of Israel, after the deaths of Moses, Aaron, and Joshua, its first three leaders, its first three presidents, this, this nation, young in its infancy, staggered by the deaths of its faithful leaders, longed for leadership yearned for direction, needed someone to guide them and steer them into the way of faithfulness. So they asked God, and God gave them judges, deliverers, superheroes to help them and lead them and defend them. Judges like Otheniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jr., Jephthah, and Samson. But, but the judges don't really work out so well. The judges each have their own respective kryptonite, and infant Israel continues to wander and flounder. But then Boaz meets Ruth, and they have a son named Obed, and Obed meets his wife, and they have a son named Jesse. And all the while, Israel gets fed up with its judges and asks God for a king. So God gives them Saul, and Saul is pretty good for a little while, but but power corrupts him. So God says to his prophet Samuel, fill your anointing horn with oil and go up to Jesse's house, Boaz and Ruth's great-grandson, and choose a new king from among his sons. So Samuel goes up, and Jesse shows off his best and brightest boys. First, his firstborn, Eliab, the firstborn, six foot four inches, 225 pounds, a mountain of a man. He has a 4.0 GPA. He's on the honor roll, National Honor Society, Rhodes Scholar. Samuel says, no, not him. So then Jesse escorts his secondborn, Abinadab, the six foot two inch, just slightly shorter, 200 pounds, still a mountain of muscle, 3.8 GPA, still pretty good, honor roll, he's a Sunday school teacher, he volunteers at the Humane Society, he's a scholar-athlete of the year, and Samuel says, no, not Abinadab. Then Jesse escorts out Shammah, and, and Samuel says, no, not, not him either. And then son after son, Jesse escorts out, and each son, Samuel says, no, not that one. And then, and then Jesse gets to the seventh of his eighth sons, and Samuel's like, do you have any more sons? And, and Jesse says, well, we do have David. David, he likes to play with the sheep. He's out in the sheep's pen. And, and Samuel says, go get David. Go, go bring him to me. And, and, and Jesse brings David, and God says to Samuel, anoint David. He's the one. He's the one. So Samuel anoints David, and David supplants Saul, and it seems like David is going to be the king for Israel, and his line will carry on his good and faithful and righteous leadership for each successive generation. And God even makes a promise to David that his throne will be established forever. 
But like Saul, power corrupts David. And like David, power corrupts David's children. And Israel is left waiting, left longing, left yearning for the king from David's line who will be the good king, who will execute justice and operate with righteousness, who will use his power for the good of the kingdom and not for his own self-interest. King after king from David's line is enthroned and fails. King after king from David's royal family misses the mark. King after king from David's descendants makes an enormous mess of things. So then finally, 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 in the fullness of time, God himself, the eternal son, begotten of the father, took on flesh was carried to full term by a virgin named Mary who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph who was from the line and the family of David. God himself comes to us as the long-awaited king from David's line. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the long-awaited shoot who comes out from Jesse's seemingly hopeless stump. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the long-awaited branch who grows out from Jesse's ruinous roots to be the enormous, redemptive tree of life for all people. Jesus Christ is the one. He's the messianic king that the nation of Israel and the entire cosmos has waited for for ages. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Then verse 2, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. The long-awaited Messiah the Messiah King from the line of David, the one who will usher in ultimate redemption for God's people, will be anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And do you remember what happened at Jesus' baptism? Do you remember what happened at Jesus' baptism? Jesus comes to John at the Jordan River, and John says to Jesus, you should be the one baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. So John takes Jesus, dips him under the water, takes him up out of the water. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. The Spirit descends. The Spirit flies down. The Spirit lands on Jesus' shoulders. You remember that? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then just a bit later in the Gospels, Jesus is preaching in his hometown synagogue and he reads, he gets up to read from the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61. He reads, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And Jesus rolls up the scroll, sets it down, sits down to preach. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, that's about me. I'm the long-awaited Messiah. I'm the one anointed by the Spirit. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah from the line of David who is anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. So as God's long-awaited Messiah from David's line, as the one anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, what is his calling? What is he supposed to do? What does his messianic kingly job description entail? Look at verse 4. 
But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. With the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. If your morning coffee didn't wake you up this morning, surely that line just did. With the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked? As God's long-awaited Messiah from David's line, as the one anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, what is Jesus calling? Justice, equity, care for the poor, lifting up the meek, striking the wicked, eliminating evil. We do Jesus an enormous disservice when we think of him only as gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Is Jesus the utmost embodiment of tenderness? Yes. Does Jesus self-describe his own heart as gentle and lowly? Yes. Is Jesus the most accessible, kind, tender, loving person in the whole cosmos? Yes. But does that mean he's okay with injustice? Absolutely not. Does that mean he's okay with wickedness and evil taking over the love that taking over the world that he so loves? Absolutely not. As tender and gentle and warm as his utmost lamb-like tenderness is, so fierce and strong and unrelenting is his lion-like righteous judgment of evil. The intensity is the exact same. The coming Christ child does not put up with evil. He flips over the tables of injustice. The coming Christ child does not put up with evil. He casts out the demonic spirits from those who are possessed. The coming Christ child does not put up with evil. He rejects Satan's temptations in the wilderness. The coming Christ child does not put up with evil. He shames evil on the cross of Friday and rises in victory over it as he emerges from the tomb of Sunday. The coming Christ child, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, the spirit-anointed Messiah, does not put up with evil. The unbridled intensity of his tenderness toward us is the same intensity as his judgment of evil. So what else? What else does Isaiah tell us about the coming Christ child, about his coming, about the coming Messiah King? Look at verse 5. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The garments of his messianic wardrobe will be belts of righteousness and faithfulness. Jesus wears a belt of righteousness. He embodies a true, perfect, and pure humanity. Jesus, too, wears a belt of faithfulness. He never, ever gives up on us. As we gaze upon Jesus' appearance as the Messiah King, we see the purest form of goodness, and we see the loyalest of friends. We see spotless holiness and a companion who will never abandon us. We see the blameless Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world and our greatest ally who will never leave us nor forsake us. The coming Christ child, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, the spirit anointed Messiah who does not put up with evil is also the righteous one, pure, blameless, holy, ethically superb, morally perfect, 
and the faithful one, loyal, never giving up on us, never leaving nor forsaking us, always by our side, our greatest ally till the end. What a friend we have in Jesus. That's the kind of Messiah Jesus is. So then, what what kind of a reign, what kind of a kingdom does this Messiah King, does the coming Christ child usher in? What kind of reign does this righteousness and faithfulness belt wearing, equity and justice enforcing, spirit anointed shoot from the stump of Jesse enact and usher in? Let's look at verse 6. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. And their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. As if that's not clear enough, Isaiah just keeps going. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The coming Christ child, the righteousness and faithfulness belt-wearing, equity and justice enforcing, spirit-anointed shoot, from the stump of Jesse, will usher in a kingdom of peace that transcends all understanding. A peace that shatters our paradigms. A peace that breaks our mental models. A peace that knocks down barriers between friend and enemy, predator and prey, helpless and dangerous, wolves and lambs living together, leopards and baby goats taking naps together, Baby cows and fattened cows and lions having slumber parties. Cows and bears will go to the salad bar together. Babies will play with snakes. Toddlers will shake the snake's nest like a toy rattle. There will be no more hurting or destroying or warring. All will flourish. All will be joyous. All will be friends. All will coexist in unending interdependent bliss. Only the coming Christ child can bring about a peace like this. This is the kind of reign that Jesus ushers in. It was Christmas Eve, 1914. World War I was in full swing. British and German forces were deadlocked on the Western Front in a part of Belgium that is now called Bois de Plau Egstiert. It was bone-chillingly cold. Both sides were shivering in their trenches. A British machine gunner named Bruce Bernsfeld recalled in his journal, Here I was, in this horrible clay cavity, miles and miles from home, cold, wet through and through, and covered with mud, with only the slightest chance of leaving, except by in an ambulance. Bairn's father and the rest of the Brits were all crammed in trenches that were three feet wide and three feet deep. Their days and nights were marked by fear, stale biscuits, and cigarettes too wet 
to light. At about 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve, the Brits heard a bunch of racket coming from the German trenches. So they loaded their weapons, anticipating a Christmas Eve bloodbath. But as they continued to listen, they realized that the Germans were singing. Eventually, they realized the tune of the song. They were singing Silent Night in German. So the Brits joined in, in English. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. As they finished Silent Night, they began singing more songs. They sang throughout the night. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, come all ye faithful. Singing that Christmas Eve night in 1914 on the Western Front replaced the, song, replaced the sound of gunfire. The next morning, Christmas morning, 1914, the Germans and Brits climbed out of their trenches and met in no man's land, the land where no man is supposed to go, the land where you are assured to be gunned down. They, they got up out of their trenches and met in no man's land. And they gave each other chocolate and biscuits and cigarettes. And they, and they even played a game of soccer right in the middle of no man's land between their respective trenches. In no man's land, playing soccer like children playing over the snake pit. On Christmas Eve, 1914, in the midst of battle and war, peace broke out. Our righteousness and faithfulness belt wearing, equity and justice enforcing, spirit-anointed shoot from the stump of Jesse ushers in this kind of peace. A peace that knocks down the barrier between enemy and friend. A peace that knocks down the barrier between predator and prey. A peace that knocks down the barrier between helpless and dangerous. A peace that knocks down the barrier between warring enemies. How might you ready your heart to receive this kind of peace, this Advent? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.